Amen. Let's go to the Word of God this morning. Uh, what I want to teach this morning is a continuing message on the apostolic, what that means and how we as a church want to be apostolic. Last week, if you'll remember, as I shared what apostle was, it's apostolos, it means sent one, it means a culture maker. And if you'll remember, what it was based on is the concept of an invading kingdom. When a kingdom comes into a new territory, the apostle, the first sent one, comes under the authority of the one who sent him. So the king sends, and those who are the ambassadors of the king yield and hold the same power and authority that the king commissioned them with. And they go into that new land as the forerunners, the first runners. And they are sent with a mission to bring the culture of that kingdom into the new territory. So they bring the new language, new authority, new sovereignty, a new culture into that kingdom. That's what an apostle does. That's what apostolic ministry does. It brings the kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus commissioned us with a mission. We are sent. We are ambassadors with the authority of the kingdom of God to declare the will of God into the earth. Amen? Well, this morning what I want to share as a second message is that apostles are foundation builders. They're foundational. They're the basis by which this New Testament is built upon, the apostles and prophets. And so apostolic ministry and apostolic churches are concerned with strong foundations. They believe in bringing the kingdom to bear, but building a strong foundation. I believe that we're an apostolic church, and I believe that we're about building a strong, solid foundation. If we have any testimony, one testimony we do have in this city is that we're strong and reliable. There have been no splits or changes or shifts. People know us and understand who we are and what we believe. That's foundational. It's essential in this age that we stay foundational. I believe that God is raising up an apostolic movement because the church has got to get back to its foundational strengths. Our foundational strengths are the Word of God and the power of His Spirit. That's the foundation by which we believe. We don't need gimmicks. We don't need new ideas and new things to, to reach people. It's, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cross that is foundational to what is going to win this world to Christ. Amen? And so God is calling the apostolic to come back into the church to restructure the foundations in an age of strong delusion and a great falling away of Christians, the ability to discern between what is right and what is wrong is of paramount importance. And that's when an apostolic church will stand without wavering and saying, thus saith the Lord, this is the word of God, and this is not. And so apostolics, very important in our own lives. And I want to share with you this morning about, is your household apostolic? Is it on a strong foundation. So let's get into that. Now, a foundation builder knows what to do. A foundation builder is going to be concerned about a few things. The apostle and uh, an apostolic church is going to be concerned, number one, with the foundation of the church. What are we built on? Are we built on sound doctrine, the apostle's doctrine? Are we built upon the word of God? Are we built on a mission and a vision that continually supports what is the foundation of this kingdom of God? And the foundation of this kingdom is the glory of Jesus Christ. Not the glory of men, not the feats of people, and I don't mean your feet, I mean the victories of people, 
but the foundation of giving glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostolic is concerned about is it safe to build or do we need to repair? When you ask a master builder to come in, one of the things they're going to look at are the foundations. Can we add on to the foundation that is here or is it in disrepair? Let me ask you this. The situation of the church in America. Is the American church foundationally fit to build upon? No, it needs repair, doesn't it? In fact, the church universal, well, the God is moving powerfully through churches in the southern hemispheres and in the east. Our problem is here in the west. The church is faltering in its foundations. And that's why I believe God's restoring the apostolic to rebuild the foundational church. Now, what does the blueprint say? That's what a builder's going to look at. Let's go back to the blueprint. Someone added on to this foundation that wasn't supposed to. Someone put a wall here. Shouldn't have been a wall here. Let's go back to the blueprints. And what is our apostolic blueprint? The Word of God. The Apostles' Doctrine. Once handed down to us by the Apostles. Amen? And so this is what we consider. Last of all, what's the cost? A good builder will always give you a summary of the cost. And what is the cost to be an apostolic church, a foundational church, a church that builds and restructures the foundation on the things of God? What is the cost? Everything. It's the cross. The cross. When you count the cost of coming to the Lord, you lose everything in order to gain Him. Amen? Amen. And so the cost is our lives. Are you willing to take that cost? It amazes me that our evangelism is based on what we can give away to people. You know, at New Year's and, and, and at different times, there are churches that have giveaways. We'll give you a car if you come to our service. We'll give you a microwave or a colored TV to the fifth person. How many of you have seen that this year? Anybody see? You haven't seen this? You want to know where it is? Yeah, okay. It's not here. I am not kidding. That is some of the gimmicks, some of the stuff. Uh, what you can get by coming to church. Seriously, if you're going to compare a car to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're giving the wrong thing away here. That's a wrong message. Amen? The, church, uh, the, the people need to understand the value of what we have and what it cost us. It cost us everything. A cheap gospel is not going to win the lost. And it's not going to save them. They'll wander away from that every time. It's a new thing. People are happy to try out new things. But when, it, when, when the word comes down to say it's going to cost you your life, right? It's going to cost you that you give up your will and your desires to serve a king. Then the rubber meets the road, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says this. He says, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. And no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is in Jesus Christ. So there is one foundation that the church should be built on. It's not the Pope. It's not the saints. It's not tradition. It's not someone else's teaching. The one foundation is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Paul said, I've become a master builder that lays these foundations of Christ in certain cities. He was writing to Corinth. He said, uh, listen, I brought 
a foundational teaching. I laid the kingdom, Jesus, before you. I don't want to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. Remember he said that. And what happened in that church? They said, well, I'm of Paul. Some said, yeah, but I like Apollos. He speaks so much more eloquent than Paul. He's a better speaker. Some said, well, I'm of Cephas. He's one of the original 12, and he saw Jesus, and he was awesome, man. I'm him. And then there's another group in the back said, we're just of Jesus, just of Jesus. Hallelujah. So there were schisms in there, and Paul said, look it, man. I laid the foundation, but we all build on it. And by the way, there's only one foundation. It's not of Peter, it's not of Paul, it's not of Methodism, it's not of Baptists, it's not Pentecostals, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Let's get back to the foundational apostolic roots of the church, amen? It's Jesus Christ and Christ alone. It's about, it's not about, Art Cat said this, it's not about who can shout louder, but the demonstration of another wisdom. You see, it's not about us saying, we're Christian, we're against you right? That's what the world does. They yell at each other. And we don't need to be yelling at anybody. We need to be demonstrating the presence of God, the love of God, the wisdom of God, the revelation of God, the heart of Jesus Christ. It's not about who can yell the loudest, but who will bring the goods, who will demonstrate the love of Christ, which was demonstrated on the cross. Amen? Really, apostolic Christianity is a plumb line from heaven. It's the measure of what is true and what is right. A church with apostolic foundations is that body of people whose central impulse and principle of life, being and service, is one thing. Namely, one radical, total, jealous thing. The glory of God. We're about the glory of God. And can I tell you what the glory of God, the pinnacle of His glory is? That it is at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord to the glory of the Father. Proclaiming Christ as Lord, Jesus as King, brings all the glory to the Father. This is what we're about. This is why we're penetrating this planet. This is why we're reaching into this community, speaking to all who will listen and all who will hear, bearing witness to what's happened in our lives, to our neighborhood, to our schools and at work, so that they will give glory to God. Amen? That is our foundation and our purpose. And sometimes we lose it. Sometimes we forget about it. Jesus said this, and I know you're familiar with the story. He said that a wise man builds his house on a what? Rock. The foolish man builds his house on the sand. All right, you know this, and some of you grew up in Sunday school, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Very good, okay. <laughs> the foolish man built, I won't even go through the whole thing, but you get the point, right? Now Jesus said this, he said, everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Now what we typically do in the church is we look at this story and we reference it to salvation. We say, Jesus is saying, if you build on him, you'll be saved. But there's more to this than that. There's more to this message that Jesus is saying. It's more than just a salvation message. It's a message to everyone who does believe, who has to continue to build on the words of Jesus Christ. Do you know that you can be saved and build your house on sand? 
There's a lot of Christians who are building their faith with foolish ideas, foolish decisions, and not on the words of Jesus Christ. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that your house is being built correctly. In fact, we will stand before the Lord because part of the building foundation that we're building on, we may use wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones. Jesus is saying, every word I say must be foundational in your life. When you choose to spend your money, you should spend it according to the kingdom of God. What God would want you to use your money for. When you're in a relationship or wanting to be in a relationship, you need to be in a relationship that is honoring to Christ, not pleasing to your flesh. Hopefully, it'll be the same. You'll have pick someone right. Is this right? And so this is necessary, that we would build on Christ's words. And the church has so, for so long been the church of Jesus, but we're following programs and things that are built on sand. And I believe that there is coming a time that the pressure is coming forth from the world and from the enemy that is going to come down hard on the church. And those who built the foundation of their faith and their churches on sand issues will fall down and collapse. But those who built on the rock, who didn't change, who stayed faithful to the foundational issues of the gospel, will remain. You know, I get magazines, I get books all the time that are sent to pastors for the new things, the new trends in ministry, right? So this is the new trend, and, and, and everybody's got an angle. It's sad. There's so much business in the church. Hey, you know, let me give you some examples. They, they give you a percentage that if you buy a new sign for the front of your church, that you'll increase attendance by a certain amount. So, so what do people do? They get into this concert, we need a new sign, so we can get more people here. That's what we need. And then they'll say, well, if you paint your church with this kind of colors or if you use these kind of chairs, if you have this kind of music and time it out for this and that, if you provide this kind of a drink and that kind of coffee, and if you do this, you'll get more people. And it's like, wow, that's sand building, sand castles, sand building. It's not in the rock. The rock is preach Christ crucified. If I be lifted up, I'll draw a man unto me. There it is. What a plan. I don't have to spend any money on promotion for that. I lift Jesus higher, amen? This is the foundational issue. And the apostolic church preaches the same message. There's no new revelation here, folks. There's no new revelation. You want something new? You want some gold dust in the air? You know what? Go buy it yourself. But there doesn't need to be that. You need Christ's spirit presence here. That's what we need, amen? We don't need a new thing. We need the presence of God and His glory in this house. That's what we need, and that's what's important. Listen, I want to tell you something. There is a tactic going on right now being built for an alternate reality. It's been happening since the beginning of the time, but also it's caught up to the Western society. Here in America, there was a time when Christianity, the Judeo-Christian ethic, permeated this culture. Whether they were believers or not, there was a sense of a moral right and wrong, an ethic that was brought by the Judeo-Christian ethic. And so that created a reality over the United States. And, and if you don't even realize this, you just need to go to different countries. There's so much light in the atmosphere, if you will, 
permeated by our forefathers and generations of Christians in this nation that caused the nation to be in a place of light. We have lost that foundation in our culture. I, I, I remember going to other countries that didn't have that in their foundational history. Um, I've been to Russia, I've been to South Africa, I've been to China, I've been to Pakistan. In these places, when you get off your plane and walk into that country, you can feel the spirit of the culture. Some are dominated by witchcraft, some are dominated by oppression, some are dominated by military, some are dominated by other ideologies. And when you get back to America, you realize, thank God for the standard that was set here. But that standard has been eroded away because the church has not secured its position. We've left our foundational principles. And so what's happening is developed an alternate state of reality. I want you to know that there are young people out here who have never been in a church and have no idea what church is. They don't know who Noah is. They'll think he's Russell Crowe in about a couple months. There'll be a new movie out about Noah. They have no clue the stories of David and Goliath and any of these that most of the time everybody understood. There's a, a false or alternate reality going on there. How many of you know that Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said that we will be without excuse on the day of judgment to know that there is a God who created everything. God is revealed through creation. It has always been that way. And that witness of God in creation is so sure and so powerful that there will be no excuse on the day of judgment. Romans chapter 1. I think I said 1 Corinthians. It's Romans chapter 1. Right? And so that's a powerful witness. So what has the enemy done? And what alternate reality has been developed? Darwinism. Evolution. Right? So you've got the majority of people in this world who are in an altered state of reality, not believing that a God, a designer created this realm, but in fact we were evolved. And they have to step into the realm of faith to believe it because, I mean, just check all of their scientists and the most educated of them. They have to break off into faith because there's no way to prove that millions and billions and billions and billions of years created this kind of intelligent design. It, it can't be. So they're happy and content to step into the realm of faith in an altered state of reality. And they're teaching our children this, and most of the world believe an altered uh, reality that we got here. Listen, they're, they're willing to even say, aliens brought us here and seeded this planet. And, and they have no problem to consider that. Again, even the most intelligent people who have all sorts of degrees, uh, physicists and so forth, would even default to an alien instead of God. That's crazy, isn't it? But that's where an altered state of reality is. Now, consider that our culture is growing up in that altered state. When the reality is there is a God who is on display 24-7, they can't see him. Altered state of mind. Secondly, they believe in reorienting sexuality, human sexuality. It's no longer now based on male and female sexes. It, it, now it's based on you were assigned a gender when you were born, and as you grow, you can decide whether you want that gender or not. Our human sexuality is being changed, which then reorients the definition of marriage, which is a creation mandate and identity of man and woman. These are key components to civilization. Reality changed and altered. 
Right now, the church is an offense to everybody by pressing, saying, don't, you cannot change the definition of marriage. And everybody else is saying, what is wrong with you people? Have you noticed this? Have you noticed that the world is walking in an altered state of reality? They think that's the norm, and we're the ones who are whacked out. Right? It's an altered state of reality. So what is right is wrong, and what is wrong is right. We're moving into a time where we are facing a grand delusion. That is why the apostolic is essential at this time to bring forth strong foundational truths into the earth. The church has got to go back to being apostolic. We have to be a people who say, thus saith the Lord, this is what the Word of God is. Now, we even go further. There's relative uh, truth and situational ethics. Your truth, my truth, they're all good truths. I like your truth. It doesn't work for me, though. I have my truth. Well, your truth believes in murder, murdering babies. This is not a good truth. In fact, it's not a truth, right? When your truth begins to wound and kill people, we have a problem here. And so situational ethics, I can steal, I can take if I want to. This stuff's crept into the church. Do you know the percentage of churches that accept gay and homosexual marriages? The the percentage of churches who don't even believe that this is the inspired word of God? How many churches that, that... have situational ethics and how many believers people that go to church who have no problem lying and cheating and stealing hey we've got grace it's all good I'm, you see so you, you either are living in the kingdom reality or you're living in the world's reality but we certainly don't want christians blind to the glory of god And so the apostolic is here to bring the church back to the foundational reality that Christ is Lord, King and ruler of all creation, and that He alone is God. Now, how did this happen? How did we get into these altered states of reality? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are strong, pulling down strongholds. He goes on and says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So the basis, here's the bottom line of how an altered reality has stolen the hearts and minds of humankind. Ideologies. Ideas. That's what runs the world. Ideas. Isn't that amazing? What is true what is true and what is false. If there is something declared to be true, but then you set seeds of lies and ideologies. Communism is an ideology. Any ism, okay? Existentialism and all these other isms, philosophies that have crept into the minds to set human governments and human uh, order on how we treat each other. These are simply ideas. The demonic force has put forth lies Just like in the garden, he gives an idea to people. How many of you have strayed from the things of God simply because an idea was put in your mind, typically by us and our flesh? Right? Ideologies. Well, the weapons of our uh, warfare 
is the Word of God. We cast down arguments or pretenses and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into the captivity of Christ. The church needs to understand what it believes and why. We love hiring people to do that. Right? We love hiring people to defend the faith. You're supposed to defend the faith. Let's pay for an apologist to come here. Right? Let's have the apologist speak for us. Here's 10 of his tapes. It's good. We need him. But he's here to teach us how to defend the faith for us. Right? You with me? So that we would defend. You know the number one reason we don't preach or teach the kingdom to other people? We're afraid of their opinion. That's the only thing keeping us from witnessing in a greater way. Thank you. It's true. You know it's true. The only reason I don't preach more or the reason you don't reach out more is because someone might have an opinion. Wow, really? That's what's holding the church up. We're not using the weapons. We've got the truth of God's Word. Well, I don't know science that well. I don't know the arguments. You know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your argument isn't going to save anybody. It's the Spirit of God that's going to draw them. If you don't have the argument, preach the love of Jesus. Talk to them about the Savior. Give them your testimony. But don't stop because you're afraid of their opinion. That's how the enemy has taken this civilization, taken the United States by an opinion. Come on! We lost our nation because of people's opinions. Wow! something's wrong the apostolic would say i don't care what you say and i don't care what you think i'm standing on the word of god and this is what is reality can i show it to you will you be patient to hear me and listen and stand for the truth and not waver that's what god wants now it starts in the house of god how many of you know that god spoke to the prophet amos and in amos 7 7 He said this, this is what he showed me, Amos said. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand. Then the Lord said, look, I'm setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Now, if you're a master builder, do you know what a plumb line is? It's a weight at the end of a string. By the force of gravity, as you hold it, it will be 90 degrees to the earth. It's a perfect plumb line. And when you set your line of brick or your walls, you want them straight and plumb. Well, Jesus is bringing a plumb line to the church. That's the apostolic ministry. He's reviving it again to the church so that the apostle will get back the the apostolic applesauce church, whatever. (laughs) The apostolic will get in line with the Word of God. If Jesus held a plumb line to the American church, how would we fare? So there is a plumb line here. It's coming, the day and the hour. And when Jesus holds it up, he wants to see, are we built on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ? And it is the apostolic ministry to make sure that we are plumb and we are square on that line. That's what God's doing. Now, I even believe that God's doing that in our midst 
today through different challenges and things that are happening. And so God wants us to be straight. He wants us to follow His Word. Paul goes on in Hebrews and says about the foundations, let's grow up and get straight about this. Hebrews chapter 5, 12 says, Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Unskilled in the word of righteousness, okay? For he is a babe, but solid food or meat belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use, skilled in righteousness, reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Church has got to grow up. we got to grow up. we got to learn and discern right from wrong. We're having debates over things that are so clearly identified in this word as sin, and we're trying to debate whether it's right or wrong. Seriously? Somebody. Right? It's, it's amazing to me. Now, you can be in Christ saved and be a babe. The concept is that you're growing, you just got saved, and so learning the Word of God is your milk, and that's essential. Now, but we need to grow up into being meat eaters, eating the meat of God's Word. Now, here's what a lot of people do. They go, oh, the meat, you mean those difficult passages that are hard to understand. No, that is not the meat of the Word. What he says very clearly, what the meat is, are the word of righteousness or by reason of use. It's putting the word of God into action in your life. That's the meat of the word. That your function and your work of what you do produces the meat of what you believe. We've got a major disconnect. We've got a a lot of folks who have a belief system in their head but do what they want with their bodies. That is so foreign to biblical Christianity. And it is American Christianity. We go to church on Sunday and do what we want Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday the rest of the week. We violate what we just praised God about on Sunday. Because we think we can do this. Well, I believe it. James says if there's a faith that isn't backed up by action, it's dead. Amen? So meat of God's Word is those who know what the foundational truths are and they move forward from them. And here's what he says in Hebrews 6, the very next chapter, what those foundational issues are. He says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, the milk, let us go on to perfection or completion, not laying again the foundations. Let's build on the basics so that we'd be mature so that we could live righteous and holy lives. That's what he wants, a people who are meaty and solid and strong. But we've failed in our foundations, so God is restoring apostolic so that we would go back to having strong foundations. Let me just go over them real quick, and you'll see how the enemy's attacked every one of these lately. How about the foundation? Repentance from dead works. Shouldn't we get this? I mean, when you come to the cross... Isn't it like, okay, this is elementary. I'm supposed to repent of my sins? There's a teaching right now called hypergrace. The hypergrace teaching is ridiculous out there right now where you don't have to repent of your sin because Jesus already died for your sins. No need to confess them. No need to repent. Oh, it's very strong. I'd name some of the teachers. They're on TV regularly that you watch. 
That this is part of their doctrine. That, again, to repent of sin is to say, is to slap Jesus in the face because he already paid for him. Why do you need to confess him? Well, if he already paid for him and we understand Scripture, then we shouldn't be doing them. But if we are, there's an issue here that we need to confess or agree with God that it is sin. The whole point of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that he had power over death. Therefore, we now have power over sin. Instead of ignoring the sin and doing what we want, we're supposed to be overcoming it. Now that's key. That's even under debate right now. (laughs) Next one, faith towards God. Well, I mean, we had a faith movement. We got the grace movement, hyper grace right now. We have a hyper faith movement. I personally believe that the faith movement was brought in by God to bring the church back to trusting Him again, believing in God. But with any move of God comes the overreaction of hyper faith. Then we move from having faith and trusting God to now having faith to name and claim whatever I want to name and claim and then produce for myself instead of His kingdom. And so we've got to speak to that because it's so out of order in the church. We go on to the doctrine of baptisms. We've got a debate right now called strange fire over the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know what that's about. John MacArthur and and the Reformed uh, folks are, are coming against Pentecostalism. They're called cessationalists. They believe that the gifts stopped and ceased. We believe they've continued. But there's something good about this I want to show you that illustrates, in fact, exactly what we're talking about. John MacArthur's acting in an apostolic role. (laughs) He wouldn't say that he is because that would be against his own teaching because he doesn't believe there's any more apostles. But what MacArthur is actually doing is acting apostolic because he's setting a plumb line saying this is wrong in the church and we need to clean it up and get back to foundational teaching. He's acting very apostolic, which is contrary to what he believes. But here's the point. I actually believe that by him holding the plumb line, now, first of all, I agree, you hold that plumb line out, and a lot of the Pentecostal foolishness that is out there is, is shown for being absolutely absurd. Some of the stuff that's going on is not glorifying to Christ, but it's absolute foolishness. And, and so I don't have a problem holding a plumb line in the church and seeing where these things are wrong. But to hold the plumb line out and then say, you're all wrong, I'm right, is a dangerous place to stand. What I actually believe by this apostolic move of him holding a plumb line calling out Pentecostalism is I believe that it's going to backfire on him. I believe when the plumb line's held out, I believe in just a little bit of time that more people are going to move in the strength of Pentecost because it's scriptural and biblical. And by him holding that line out, I think he's doing us a favor. We'll clean up our camp and come stronger forward for the biblical Pentecostal doctrine we believe. Now we go on, laying on of hands. There's a problem with authority in the church because we've had so many bad leaders, had so many abuses with apostles and bishops and pastors and and, uh, whatever title that we've all put on and and worn and, and walk around with power. And the church loves it. We love our rock stars, man. We, we pay money for our rock stars. We want them glamorous. We want to see them under the lights. Teach us another good thing. Put on a good show. And, and, and the church shouldn't have rock stars. There's only one rock. It's Jesus Christ. 
There's only one star in this show. It's Jesus Christ. Amen? And so the laying on of hands was established by Christ to establish authority in our lives, of, of healthy authorities that would lead us into strict and beautiful doctrines. Last of all, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Who would have ever thought that the issue concerning hell and God's eternal judgment would come into question in the church? The majority of churches now are leaving the concept of hell and coming to universalism. Doctrines that were removed from the church in the second and third centuries are coming right back in. Why? Because we're not foundationally strong. And that's the need for the apostolic church. We need to be foundationally strong in these basic things so that we can go on to the greater things. Does that make sense to you? And so I ask you this question as I close right now. How about an apostolic review of your own life and your own family? Have the foundations of your own faith eroded? Are you living on milk because the foundations have slipped away and you need to get back to eating the meat of God's Word? Stand on a sure foundation. So let's do this checklist. I'd like you to consider it. I'd like you to ask yourself, am I foundationally strong in the truth of God's Word? Do I believe that this is the Word of God? And if I believe it, will I obey it as true? Am I living in the reality, a biblical reality, or am I living in a false reality created by the world? This is huge. This is huge. I would ask you to examine yourselves I would ask you, young people, you have it hard. You grew up in an altered state of reality. Many folks here had the opportunity as they were growing up to have some essence of Christianity as they were growing up. Many of you were brought up in the church, thank God, but out there in the world and in the school and in TV and in movies and everything, the entire uh, temperament of the world is in an altered state of reality. So I have to ask you, do you have a biblical understanding of reality? And I think if you would check your foundation, some of you will be surprised that you're living towards the wrong goals and not biblical ones. Secondly, are your ethics biblical? Are you living, are you not, let, let me put it to you real straight. Are you not cheating? Huh? Are you cheating? Are you lying? Do you lie? Do you make excuses? Do you gamble away your money? Well, it's all just for fun. Just for fun? Do you know how the kingdom of God needs that money? See, so are we lying? Are we cheating on our taxes? Tax season. Are we, are we really living ethically? This is the meat of God's word now. That's the difference. I, I, I thoroughly believe that's the difference between logos and rhema. Okay? See, there's a real issue that we have a teaching going around that when the Word of God illuminates, that's a rhema word. God speaks to us. Actually, no, that's called a revelation. It's called a revelation. What a rhema is, a logos is the written Word of God, the, God, the Word that God has set into the earth that through His Son, Jesus, and through the prophets. That's the logos. What the rhema is, is applying that Word to your life when it comes into fruition. When God gives you a revelation, you act on it and you are doing it. Now it became rhema. Does that make sense to you? 
Because we've got all sorts of folks who have rhema words, God enlightened this, but they haven't changed their life one bit. What good is a rhema word that activates in you and you don't do anything with it? It's not rhema. It didn't come alive because you didn't give it birth. Does that make sense? All right, so what about your relationships? Our choices in our relationships are the number one issues that we're constantly counseling people with here. I'm seeing people regularly because they've made bad choices and they're in bad relationships. So I've got to ask you, are you foundationally following the Word of God? The Word of God says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, all right? So the minute you start dating an unbeliever, uh, you're wrong. You're out of the will of God, okay? Well, maybe I can get them saved. Once they get saved, then date them. Stay away, right? All right foundational things. Are you in business with people that lie and cheat and steal? Are you in covenant with people who are wrong? Come on, folks, this is what I'm talking about. Get apostolic in your life. Rebuild your foundations. Next, finances. Are you living with your finances that are healthy to the kingdom of God? Reevaluate how you're using money. Money so quickly can become a god, can become an idol. And so look at yourself and ask yourself, foundationally, am I handling my finances unto the glory of God? Am I in relationship with people that is unto the glory of God? Am I walking ethically unto the glory of God? Do I believe the truth unto the glory of God? That is apostolic. Rebuilding your foundations. The foundations of your neighborhood. The foundations of your city. That's what we're about. That's what we want to build. Amen?